Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Well, we're starting this podcast with the power stance like Wonder Woman, yes? <laughs> Don't we start every podcast that way, Hollister? Well, I know you do, but now I'm really doing it. I think I'm going to start every day that way. <laughs> well, you know, I, t- I, you know, I did get out of bed and do it one morning, and I felt great. I mean, you feel foolish. I look ridiculous. Trust me. It's sort of not, not pretty. But Did you put on your headdress and fur? No, you know, I don't have that. I'm sorry. But, but I do think that how, you know, our stance and that energy is so good. And we had a lot of people write in around um, Wonder Woman. So it is the talk of the town, don't you think? Absolutely. And I loved what Vera wrote in, who is a filmmaker in Chicago. Yes, well, she one of the what she wrote, she said wonderful performances. Gail was the perfect lead and managed to make her fish out of water naivete very charming and fun uh, to see our world circa 1920s through her eyes. Patty Jenkins carried a huge challenge in her shoulders and put it off, pulled it off big time. She d- this is what I love. She deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as Christopher Nolan, James Cameron, and Spielberg for directing a blockbuster worth seeing again and again. Yes! Exclamation point. With five S's. I, I loved yeah. that. Now, also, Lori from Boston wrote us, I do not think that Wonder Woman is feminist, and my rating of the movie was, well, I stayed awake. Did she say what her specific objections with the movie were? No, but I felt like I wasn't even going to ask because (laughs) uh, she made very clear her feelings. But I love, you know, I stayed awake. First of all, I love that as, as, you know, okay. I mean, that definitely, if you said rate something from one to ten, you know, that's probably like a two or a three, but I love the visual with that as well. I'm also picturing Lori in the grips of Wonder Woman's truth lasso as she wrote us that email. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, then Diane, she said, it um, it has intelligent tongue-in-cheek comedy, the over-the-top bad guy, that somewhat frumpy secretary who's a little in over her head and loves it. Best of all, the motley crew who turns out to be heroes. Maybe all of this is run-of-the-mill superhero film stuff. I don't see enough to really know. And it's so funny. Neither do I. Nor so do I. I thought that was a exactly was a really good point. And then she said. I uh, the special effects don't wear you out. I saw a trailer of some of the film coming up that I definitely won't be seeing, and in that short trailer, the special effects were way over the top, in my opinion. Sometimes less is more if they want to appeal to my demographic. So anyway, that was from Diane, and then another person whose name is Raquel, and she's from L.A., and she wrote in and said, she, I am so glad to have listened to your podcast before I went in because I'm not sure I would have appreciated it as much if I hadn't known some of the nuances. That's wonderful and, to hear. Um, and so a big thank you to her for that. And it's interesting. It's one of the strongest responses we've had of people writing in around a movie, and it was so not a movie that we were all that comfortable, you know, even a Approaching, uh, but it's turned out really well. A lot of our listeners said the same thing that they went and they were surprised at how exactly. they liked it. Which kudos to Patty Jenkins for capturing new demographics with a genre that didn't naturally appeal to them. Exactly. Yes, and then Val wrote in announcing Broadchurch's final season is going to air on June 28th on BBC America. Val wrote, check out the trailer. It looks like another good season. And she posted that on our Facebook page, and it does look good. Did you see season two? Absolutely. I love Olivia Coleman. Yeah, I thought she was really... I don't remember season two, though. What, uh, just give me a, in a one-liner. What... Yes, that was the one with Charlotte Rampling. 
where she joined the cast. Okay. And what was it about? <laughs> Murder. Okay. I understand that. The well, trial. I, I okay. It was the trial. That was it. Yeah. I think I watched half of it, but not the whole thing. But anyway, we will repost our original podcast, which was two years ago on the season one of, um, of Broadchurch. But it, again, we love anything from across the pond. So uh, so if you haven't seen Broadchurch, definitely watch the first season before you get into season three. Now, speaking from across the pond, BBC America has announced they're renewing Luther with Idris Elba for a season five. And this season's going to have four parts. So I'm looking thought, forward to that, too. What You know, I'm going to complain about something else around this today. Why do they keep extending things that have com- been completed properly? I think this can continue to be renewed. They did the same thing with Prime Suspect with Helen Mirren. You know, I never saw that. Oh, she was, Helen Mirren was great. And it was very groundbreaking territory for her to play the detective superintendent, Jane Tennyson, where it was a female in charge, um, of course, with a drinking problem. But, you know, every now and then they would just come out with another season. And I like Mm, that. that Maybe that should be our blast for the past this week. Is it, should it? Oh, sure. Prime Suspect. Michael, I know this is hard for you, it's hard for us, but we have to find out why she was in that bedsitter. Because Helen Mirren in anything is worth seeing, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And last night was the last episode of The Handmaid's Tale, episode 10. Now, I've watched them diligently each and every week. Normally, I wait till an entire season's done and then I sort of binge watch these things, but I just couldn't help myself. I've watched it every single week and every single week it's laid ground, you know, over things that you you were not Natwood's novel. So it's really expanded the base of how this all came to be and it's been great. Okay, but here's, they just announced today and I'm beside myself. They just announced that they've signed up for season two. There is no season two of The Handmaid's Tale. It's over. You know, like, why do they keep doing this? You know, in the last three months, maybe there have been four or five fabulous TV series that were based on books that we've loved or really they've done a great job on. And just because they've been hugely successful, they feel the need to extend the conversation or the storyline when it really has no reason to be extended. Now, I assume you're talking about 13 reasons why or big yes. little lies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. We, I mean, we. I don't know how many times we've talked about it, but I'm beginning to think, you know, no season two, please, is a hashtag. We should, you know, there. sometimes more is just more. It's not always better. And well, you know, Hollywood seems to be uh, a breeding grounds know, for sequels. I know, I know, but I'm so I'm I'm just so irritated because it's sort of it's so where we are now about this, you know, excessiveness in everything that we do. Anyway, I just want to say, I you know, I hope Margaret Atwood has not signed on to do this, and I hope she's not going to endorse it. I just it's I just heard it today. It is ironic because America and Hollywood are known for the happy ending, but maybe actually we're just not that good at endings. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Right? Could be. Could be. Um, And then last week, I mentioned that Elizabeth had asked about House of Cards. And so I did finish it this weekend. And it is really tough to take. I'm not going to do a spoiler because I know a lot of you watch watch the show. Um, But I love what's happening to her at the end. I just love it, love it, love it. That's all I'm going to say. So even if you even if you can't take the middle, watch the last episode. Now, speaking of Frank Underwood, did you catch Kevin Spacey hosting the Tonys this past yeah, week? Yeah, I did. You know, I, I thought his he sort of overplayed the fact that he wasn't the first choice. And, yeah. yeah. I just want to give a shout out to Bette Midler. I was so excited that she won the Tony for Hello, Dolly. 
privileged. I'm so honored to receive this from you all tonight. I really am. All right, so now let's get into our um, Happy Father's Day to fathers out there. Yes. And our list of six is? Our favorite screen dads. Okay, can I start off? Absolutely, Hollister, go for it. Thanks. Okay, because I had a lot of trouble with this. Ready? Mm-hmm. So the first thing that came to mind, okay, the, I don't know if you're going to like make this count as one of mine because I don't think it should. I'm but... not you. So I'm going to let you just wiggle <laughs> know, it right in there. Because uh-huh. you're a better person than me in every way. I get that. Okay. So my first thought, of course, was to kill a mockingbird because you know how I feel about that book and the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I decided that what I love about To Kill a Mockingbird is really not the way he fathers. He's a very distant father. He's not engaged in their life. He has no idea what they do all day, (laughs) you know, and not only that, they could be probably not okay. And he might not know it for a day or two. And so when I think about like, who is a great dad, what, what happened was, you know, Scout is watching her father with great intelligence for one so young. And that's really what the book is about. So I, I'm not going to use him. So are you surprised? Because you probably thought he was going to be one of mine, right? I'm not that surprised for the reasons you mentioned. And I know that Gregory Peck was seen as a real-life father figure to the girl who played Scout. She always said he was just so nice to her on the set. So I had the reverse problem where some people were great screen dads, but then I've heard they're not so great off screen. And then that kind of colored my thinking. It's hard. It's hard. Uh But anyway, I did, you know, it was the first thing that came to my mind and then I sort of dumped it. So I'm going to start with Father of the Bride. That's a great choice, Hollister. The remake or the original? Ashley, this, you know, sit down, sit down, O'Toole. You're not going to believe it. I'm going to go with Spencer Tracy rather than Steve Martin. Although I do love the Steve Martin version and I love to laugh through that as well. But I think Spencer's version has much more depth. What's your starting off with? Okay, my, I'm going to start with a classic as well. Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life. Daddy! Zozo, Zozo, my little ginger snap. How do you feel? Fine. Who's going to come, Daddy? Who, Daddy? You know, I'll have to go back and look at his dadism in that. Alistair, i got to tell you, like you, I found this list very hard. Men just, that wasn't their role back then was to be dads. I guess it was considered too domestic. You're right. I, I think in those days, those movies really, dads were not all that involved in dadhood, you know? It would have been easier to come up with six scary dads like Darth Vader. Yeah. Well, I'm going to move then to Sleepless in Seattle. I thought that would be on your list. Yeah. So, so and I'm going to give you a couple of fun, fun lines. Dad, do you like believe in heaven? And he answers, I never did. I mean, the whole idea of an afterlife. But now I don't know, because I have these dreams about your mom, and we have these long talks about you and how you're doing, which she sort of knows, but I tell her anyway. So what is that? It's sort of an afterlife, isn't it? And I thought that really helped me think about afterlife, you know, that the person does have an afterlife as long as you think about them and they're in your life in some way. I have no doubt that you're a wonderful father. You know, you can tell a lot from a person's voice. You certainly can. But something must be missing if Jonah still feels that you're under a cloud. And just a few questions. Are you sleeping at night? He doesn't sleep at all. How do you know that? I live here, Dad. That little kid Jonah in the movie was a very wise soul. Yes, he was. Uh, Well... As was the person who wrote for him. <laughs> Nor Ephraim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where, where are you going to take us from uh, Sleepless in Seattle? Okay, I'm going to go to the small screen, Kyle Chandler in Friday Night Lights. Oh, God, I love that one. Thank you. Oh, my God, I hadn't even thought of it. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great dad. Mm-hmm. And a great coach. 
Yeah, which is, you know, f- definitely plays a father figure for many of them. Mm-hmm. That's what I think that's our I think that's our best one of all so far. Well, thank Absolutely. you. Okay. You're welcome. I'm going to do another yeah, power have... pose. Okay. Um <laughs> What's your last one, Holster? I'm going to end with Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, okay. Five Academy Awards, Robert Benton's portrayal of a woman on the verge and a dad who comes out of the corporate closet, which is what I like to call it. And when that came out, that was groundbreaking territory that he was a single dad. You know, again, it was just so out of the box that a man would take on a domestic role. My wife used to always say to me, why can't a woman have the same ambitions as a man? I think you're right. But by the same token, I'd like to know what law is it that says that a woman is a better parent simply by virtue of her sex. Now, what are you going to end us off with? What are you going to close I'm it out with? I'm going to end with Milo Ventimiglia in This Is Us. It's very humbling and very flattering to know that people are connecting to a show like this that doesn't have superheroes and it doesn't have alien invasions and it doesn't have scandals at the White House level. It's just about people. It's something we can all connect to, yeah. It's kind of a throwback in a sense in television that we grew up on and we loved watching as a family back in the 80s. Yeah, very much so. You know, it's, it's, it's accessible. I love him as a dad. Yeah. I love that you did something recent. Hollister, we did it. We came up with six. Yeah, but you know what's so cool about it? You came up with two TV shows. Why, I don't know what in my mind didn't even allow me to go there, but I wouldn't have come up with those anyway, but those are brilliant. I love the ones you chose. Thank you. I love yours as well. And happy Father's Day to all fathers out there. Yes, to all fathers out there. Okay, which leads us way back from fatherhood into <laughs> back into the military. But what's cool about Megan Levy, which is the movie we're going to review this week, what's cool about Megan Levy is that it does show us a piece of the military that we've never seen before. Just so you know, running away isn't going to solve anything. Hang up that phone! Tuck your shirt in! You know, the training of these dogs. And I loved this new way of looking at the inside workings of the military. That's a really good point, Hollister, because that does make it worthwhile to go and see this. And like last week when we did Wonder Woman, I thought, okay, I'm not usually someone to run to a combat movie. But Mm -hmm. after seeing Robin Wright in Wonder Woman, I thought maybe I should branch out in terms of my genre and watch (laughs) another House of Cards actress star in a vehicle. That Frank Underwood sure is a good training ground. We need one dog team for a road sweep and surrounding area check. Levy, dog up! Kate Mara plays Megan Levy, who is actually a real person who was in the military mm-hmm. and sort of a loner. And she was, uh, you know, she she became attached to a dog and she was a dog handler, got hurt. And basically it's her struggle to try to make sure she gets the dog when he's retired. And so, but Kate Mara, I thought she was great in this. Did you think she was good? I thought she was good. The person I loved the most is the rapper Common, who played Gunny Martin, her sergeant. Uh You're getting a dog. You got this? Think faster. Yeah, I got this. (laughs) You think I'm afraid of you? Lay down. Rex, lay down. Well, you know, know, who did he remind you of? Um, There's only one answer to this question. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I, I don't know. The sergeant and an officer and a gentleman. Lou Gossett Jr.? Come on! It's the same part. The same part. And now he's on the good fight. He is. Mm-hmm. That's true. But what's amazing is it's the same 
tough, tough, tough guy with a soul. Yes, exactly. Well put, Hollister. Yeah, I thought he was great. Absolutely great. He is an Oscar winner. He won for Best Song for Selma with John Legend, who also won a Tony on Sunday night. So many winners, for sure. But the person who stood out to me, you've got to know who it is. Come on. Was it Bradley Whitford playing her father? (laughs) All you got to do is fight. You know how to fight. You're a Marine. (laughs) Bradley Whitford, yay! From the, you know, the West Wing, who I have felt like, what happened to him after the West Wing? He was unrecognizable, which is great, Mm -hmm. because it was such a major role for the West Wing. But he was brilliant at always. He had depth, and he was... I just am happy to see that people are starting to put him in roles outside of that West Wing role, you know, so that you could actually... um, actually see it. I thought he was very, very good. But also when I went to look up what he's been doing since then, because I thought after the West Wing, he basically, you know, went into hiding, but it's not true. So he was, he was in six episodes of Lauren, the TV show with Jennifer Beals. Did you ever see it? I never did. Me neither. I never heard of it, but I'm going to take a look at it. If anybody out there has seen it, Lauren with Jennifer Beals was like 2011 and 12. It had two seasons and Bradley Whitford was in it too, but I never heard of it. So I'm sort of curious if anybody else has. It's a, it's a mystery kind of thing. He was also recently in Get Out, which you reviewed. Yeah. Well, and again, playing a very different role. So, you know, here he's playing a, a very blue collar working guy who, you know, is not all that connected to anything, you know, goes to work, works hard, lost his wife, but he nailed it. I really almost didn't recognize him, but I did have to laugh when she comes home and she has just been off in Iraq detonating bombs and suffering from concussions. And she's getting out of the car with her little duffel bag. And he's like, you got that? <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, I got that. And I thought that was kind of sweet that he was going to help her with yeah. her luggage. Well, actually, she was just coming. She had been been hurt. So him yes. asking, I mean, she'd been injured. So it made sense that he would say, you know, can you carry that? I'm pretty sure she could have carried him and the car on her back and made it inside the house yeah. from the way she was portrayed. Okay. Do you have a favorite line? I have a favorite moment, but I don't have a favorite line. So what's your what's your favorite moment? My favorite moment was the Yankee Stadium scene by far. Oh, at the end, you mean? Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, it was a moment. <laughs> no question about it. Yeah, um, it was a moment, and her grace with her mother. You know, very difficult mother relationship. And if you see the movie for no other reason, the way she handles a very very difficult and I would say abusive mother. You would is real. Yeah, I do. I thought her mother was abusive. I almost didn't recognize Edie Falco. But I don't know. I thought Kate Mara was a little hard on her, especially when she gets the, well, I don't want to, no spoilers here, but I wouldn't call her abusive. When her mother asks about how much money, if she dies, they're going to get, you didn't think that was beyond the pale? That was not good, but it wasn't a very (sighs) developed scene. I just don't know why you want to do this. Yeah, I know you don't. You don't really connect with people very well. Uh, well, maybe, but I, that alone, come on, I, you know, I don't know. I don't even know how you deal with something like that. But, and, you know, to, to be, you know, I mean, the mother does many things which are minimally, you know, very, very insensitive and maximally almost passive aggressive in her behavior, which we won't, you know, you're right. We shouldn't spoil it but all, but like, I, I thought that. Like Kate Mara, she's supposed to have this character arc. I think. So at the end where she's trying to get Kate Mara back to rejoin the living, I don't know. I I thought she was trying there. But for me, Hollister, that was the weakness in the movie. 
Huh. I thought the emotional arc was uneven from the pacing of the plot, because I think it's very difficult to have a plot where you go off to war, because that is such a traumatic, big on-screen moment to have explosions and trauma, and then to come back home and have a whole nother act. I think the momentum of the plot almost got stuck in her mission to rescue the dog. Hmm. I definitely think the movie dragged a bit. I definitely do. Um, I thought it just I, it just dragged. You know, maybe because you knew sort of where it was going very, very early on. But I think... Kate Mara's performance pulled it out. Like, I think she was so good that I didn't mind that I was watching her in numerous cases show that she is not good at connecting with people. What would you say to Rex if he were here? I'd thank him for teaching me what love is. Is there a way out? And you know, I mean, you know, I, I we got that in the first 25 minutes. I'm not sure you had to reinforce mm-hmm. it all the way. I mean, so... Yeah, but she was so good that I almost forgave it. I don't know if that's fair to say. Well, I really enjoyed the scenes of her with the dog because when you think about the motto of the Marines being Semper Fi, Semper Fidelis, always faithful. And of course, that's the dominant nature in a dog, right? Is you never leave your human. Those scenes really worked for me, but I had to take a look to see who wrote the script. It's a team of three writers, and I thought this was such an interesting pairing of writers. One was Pamela Gray, who's written some things I've really enjoyed. She did A Walk on the Moon with Diane Lane and Viggo Mortensen. She did Music of the Heart with Meryl Streep, Angela Bassett, Gloria Stefan. She's working now on The Husband's Secret, which I can't wait to see. That's another Leanne Moriarty Uh, adaptation uh who wrote the book Big Little Lies. But then the second writer was Annie Mumolo, who did Bridesmaids. So that, to me, is already an odd pairing. And then Tim Lovestet was the third writer who wrote Bikini Hotel. <laughs> I, I missed that one. Kind of all yeah. I have to say, as did I, yeah. as did I, Hollister. So. Well, you know, it's a, you're right. That's really, really interesting. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I think the writing was lightweight. But again, I think it's worth seeing. So would I give this an A plus, A plus, I can't wait to see it again when it comes out in a year? No. But am I really glad I went and, and, and saw it? Absolutely. Now, the other thing is the most poignant opening I've ever seen in a movie ever, ever, ever is the movie Sounder, which came out in the 70s, maybe the 60s, I don't remember. And I must have been, I was in my teens when I saw it. And it opens with a person of color being taken away. And the dog, the hunting dog, is beside himself and starts chasing after the wagon and the people taking the people of color away shoot the dog point blank. Oh, oh dear. and I never got over it. I've never gotten over that scene. There's some, and you know, by the way, which I, it, I'm not, I'm not oblivious to the fact that I've seen people be shot and that somehow didn't bother me as much. You mean, you mean on the screen, not in real life. Yeah. And, but this was okay. on the screen too. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know why it had so much more, impact on me than any human being I've seen shot, which by the way, doesn't make a lot of sense because I hope that I value human life at least as much as dogs, but if not, maybe a little more, but it never left me. And there's something about the, you know, dog, dogs and, and this kind of commitment from a dog, 
you know, danger commitment is just beyond. It's really, it's really wonderful. They have done psychological studies that say that we are more moved by the plights of animals than we are by the yeah, plights but of humans. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I feel good about that in myself, but it is true. Right. Yeah. I know what you mean. Now, Hollister, I have to ask you this because I remember in our podcast about the movie Jackie, you were upset about the scene where they showed her nylons. <laughs> you said it was. Uh, an anachronism or something like that? No, I said that they didn't have pantyhose back then. Okay, so I was curious while watching Megan Levy what you thought about the fact that throughout combat she was always wearing mascara. I, I don't, why would that not be true? You don't think that when the temperatures are that hot and things could be exploding, you might not want makeup near your eyes when you're trying to stay alive, keep your dog alive, keep your troop alive? Uh, you're absolutely right, and no, it didn't bother me at all. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, I have told you before, I'm nothing if not inconsistent, and but it didn't bother me at all, and I just, I, you know, I thought her eyes were really important, and I was happy to have them highlighted. Levy, check the vehicle. Now, I'm sure you know this about Kate Mara. She's no stranger to training, but she is related to quite a few professional football teams, if you will. Her uncle is the CEO of the New York Giants, and two of her great-grandfathers founded football teams. So one founded the New York Giants and the other founded the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hmm. And of course, her sister is the girl with the dragon tattoo. But I just thought this was so interesting. Back when she was on 24, one of her teams made it to the Super Bowl and she couldn't go because she was filming 24. So now she is contractually permitted to attend any Super Bowl involving either the Steelers or the Giants. Oh, good for her. So that it never happens again. Good for her. (laughs) Yes, but now I know that recently you were trash-talking Julie Andrews, our very own Mary Poppins. I would not say I was trash-talking her. I just can't stand her. (laughs) All right, okay. Kate Mara said that one of her favorite movies of all time is The Sound of Music. Uh, Okay, and your point? It doesn't diminish Kate Mara in your eyes? Absolutely not. She's entitled to an opinion. I love opinions different than mine. She's also young and inexperienced <laughs> and she probably just doesn't get it. You know, I can't, I can't really speak to her incompetence in this area, but, um, you know, I should send her a few movies to view and I think she'll see the light. But one thing I found fabulous is that the real life Megan Levy has a cameo in the film. Yes, yeah, she's one of the people yelling at her. <laughs> yes, exactly. In a very authentic way. And at the very end, when they show the real life Rex, I loved that little home video of him jumping in the pool and you can hear her voice. But again, that was a very somber moment when you realize that when Megan Levy, the real life one, came back to the States, she worked as a bomb detection expert at both the United Nations and Yankee Stadium. I believe she's still doing it, according to what they wrote, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it was filmed in South Carolina, where Paris Island is located, where she did her boot camp. One of my favorite Billy Joel songs is Paris Island. Oh, do you want to hum a few bars? No, I'm done doing that. People have been complaining, <laughs> and I haven't chosen to read the complaints, but people have actually texted me and said, please don't do that anymore. And, I, you know, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done with you people. I can't, you know, I can't work with you. I don't know what to tell you. But I do, I do have a favorite line. I think you should ask me, do I have a favorite line? I already did ask you and you just skipped right over. Okay. But what, what is your favorite line? My favorite line, you know, again, um, everything that you feel goes down the leash. I love that line. That was a great line. But I love that line for life. You know, everything that you feel comes out in the tone of your voice or it comes out in the way you look at someone. And, 
you know, I just, I just loved that it, you know, everything that you feel goes down the leash. I, I just, I think it's a line worth listening to. Yeah. A very philosophical way to look at the relationship between humans and animals. It kind of reminded me a little bit of that documentary Buck, where they said, um, it's not people having problems with horses, it's horses having problems with yeah, people. Exactly. Please just change his classification so that I can adopt him when he gets back. They aren't pets. They're warriors. There were some great, unusual credits in Megan Levy for things like weapon suppliers, body armorers, walkie-talkies. But my favorite of all time was Dog ADR. I don't think I've ever seen that in another movie where they had to do additional dialogue recording with the dogs. I would have loved to have been there in the studio for that. Uh, well, there was some major barking going on in that movie. So, yeah. Yes, there was, and perhaps even some stunt barking. Yeah. I, I loved her, and I liked the movie. Yeah, I think if you're a combat movie kind of person or a dog person, it might be your thing and worth checking Although out. Although my sister is a major dog person. She's very active in all things dog, and she told me she can't see it. She said she could tell by the trailer. She just can't see any image on the screen where a dog's in trouble in any way. She can't do it. I'm like, okay. Oh. I said, why don't you see Sounder? You might like that a lot. <laughs> I did not say that, I swear. Good boy. I've been watching this dog all year. He's the most aggressive dog I've ever treated. Does really need another break? It's not like he hasn't earned it. Okay, so this week ends with Father's Day, and if you're going to go see a movie with your dad, Megan Levy's a good movie to see with the dad, don't you think? I don't know. I mean, my dad was a Marine. And so would you have liked to see it with him? I don't think he would have had the patience. Oh, okay, well, you could bring him in halfway through. 